Hello and welcome to Nested Folders, the productivity podcast where we get everything and we organize it into exactly enough folders to help us stay on top of things. At least that's the idea. <laughs> My name is Rosemary Richard and I'm joined as always by Scotty Jackson. Hey, Scotty. Hi, Rose. That's aspirational. I like that. I like that it says that we do that and not just that we're like, oh, yeah. we try I to mean, do that. We nest, we nest the folders. That's what it says in the name. Yeah, we, we do indeed nest the folders. Sometimes everybody, and this happens to everyone, we fail with the whole opening the folders when we're supposed to and checking mm. things. Mm-hmm. But that's what productivity is about, trying to be better for ourselves. Yes. Speaking of being better for ourselves, uh, hi, welcome. Uh, if you're new, hello, and very much welcome to you. Uh, we are the Nested Folders podcast where we talk about productivity and we have an entire back catalog of episodes at nestedfolderspodcast.com. And if you really love us, and of course, you know, we love you whether or not you love us extra, um, you can uh, subscribe for an extra monthly bonus episode of unnested folders where you know those folders that we were talking about yeah we take things out and get extra messy in a special episode just for you where it will even take your challenges answer your questions and you can find that over at nestedfolderspodcast.com slash unnested so scotty something i wanted to talk to you about because this comes up on a periodic basis and I think that everybody experiences this to an, a degree, uh, though, of course, it, it varies depending on your interests and what the thing is. But like where you have something that's just all consuming, right? Mm-hmm. And it's just taking over and you kind of feel like you can't think about anything else and every waking moment is being consumed by this. But often we end up realizing this kind of late on, like at least a couple of weeks into it, in some cases for me. And it's like, oh, wow, OK, I should have recognized this earlier. And I wanted to talk about this because the all-consuming thing can be both good and bad. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a power that, you know, can definitely benefit you at times. The ability to just focus on a thing and not be, like, derailed is great. But sometimes it means that you also miss the things that you 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 shouldn't have been missing. And I thought that it would be really good to talk about that because, you know, especially as we're coming into back-to-school season, I'm sure there are people who are going to feel like they are just swept up in this this sea of all of the things and they're just just about treading water maybe but they they can't think of everything else and looking for tips and ideas on how to deal with that absolutely and and there's there's like you said there's a lot of great practical value to this is is when it has your attention you're you're deeply involved in it you can be the most engaged with it you can be the most effective with it but then also there's that dark side of is this body of work or state of being or thing that I am thinking about, perhaps permeating into other aspects of the way in which I am responding to things or behaving or or thinking or acting that um, maybe are are nuanced in ways that I don't even recognize are happening. And and so I was really I was really excited about this topic when you brought it up because there's the how do we manage the part of this that we are aware of? How do we manage that? And then also the what about secondary effects or what about ways in which maybe this is affecting us that, I mean, it's very easy to say this is all consuming, but to really recognize what that means entirely, um, both yeah. spiritually and actually are, is, is another thing. And so I think it's, 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 um, it's interesting to think about both of those sides of the um, consciously aware of and the you know, not conscious of. Uh, parts of this. Yeah, because I I think that is the thing, you know, it sneaks up on you. 
Um, like you, mm-hmm. you're not necessarily aware of this at times, but sometimes you can sort of feel it happening. You know that that sense where, um, especially um, if you've got kids, you'll you'll be more familiar with this. But when you're at the top of a really big slide. And then you push yourself off like that feeling that you get just before you push yourself off, learning to recognize what that feels like and um, to an extent embracing it, but also seeing it as a warning sign so that you can hopefully have some systems that you you know work and have those roll into place or at the very least, you know, have a reference for things that you could do. Because I feel like a lot of the 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 things that we can do to help us with this do really only come from reflection and review after the fact. You know, you've had an all-consuming project that's eaten every hour of work for the last three months. And then afterwards, you know, you get a a bit of time to breathe and deal with some other bits. And then, you know, you can review and look back and go, well, that was good. We got the thing done, but these things didn't happen or these things were extra difficult because this wasn't happening or was happening and so on and so forth. And so sometimes you need to, you know, try and recognize it like before it happens, but sometimes mm. you don't know until you start it down the slide. And guess what? Once you're on a slide, you can't stop. Like you're just going to keep going um, <laughs> until you get to the bottom, until you get to the end. But, you know, this being a mythical slide, the, there's cotton candy we can grab along the way, um, which turns out is magically nourishing for us. Um, and, you know, we can toss some things over the side as we're going or pull other things in. And it's, you know, remembering you don't have to have everything prepared before something happens can definitely, you know, help because if if you can only take two minutes to do something, well, it's better to take two minutes to give yourself, you know, a bit of breathing room than it is to take no minutes, isn't it? Absolutely. I, I love your metaphor of the slide because, yeah, there, there's a lot of times where you've got this thing and it, it it's it's get in and then manage the slide. There are others where it's, you know, I'm just going to add one more box to your office. I'm just, I just need to add just one more box to your office. And, you know, that's fine. At first, it doesn't even seem like a big deal until at some point you turn around and you realize that you are surrounded by 80 boxes. You want to set this building on fire. You are now consumed and you're like, how did I get here? How did I, how did I manage to get to this state where everything is so wildly out, out of control? It's, it's because you know, some of these these all-consuming things happen just a little bit of, at a time, uh, and, and that mm-hmm. leads to this. I mean, I, at the risk of sounding Gladwellian, like sort of a, a tipping point of all of a sudden it is now not manageable anymore, and now it is all-consuming in a way that it wasn't really meant to be. And so I think I think the first whether it's the slide or the stack of boxes. I think well, it's imagery all around. I think I think the first key thing is is like a um a sort of recognition of here is the way yeah. things are. And I don't I don't know necessarily how to make myself do that, but I know that that is always that has always got to be a, an appropriate step one for me is to recognize how things are because it's very easy to um it's very easy to accidentally sort of work around things. Like I, I think of like, like like my grandpa's table was wobbly, and so you put like a matchbook under like the third like leg, and you know that if you do that, then it's fine. And if it starts wobbling again, it's because that matchbook got kicked out. the The table never ever got fixed. It was just matchbooks all around, right. which which is fine. But that doesn't scale. Like if he had a hundred tables and a hundred matchbooks, we're gonna have to start fixing tables at some point. And, and so I think I think it's very interesting to sort of observe what are the things 
that I've maybe been accepting and working around rather than fixing? And what are the things that even need fixing in the first place as I start to look at this, you know, like all-consuming body of thing? Yeah, because I think that is the thing, you know, especially um, if this is something that maybe you're doing um, in your in your free time as a hobby, it's very easy to start, you know, focusing on doing that. So, you know, you finish your day job um, and then you, you get started on it. And then before you know it, it's 9 p.m. and you've not had dinner, you've not done laundry, you've not cleaned the dishes and things like that. And suddenly <laughs> there's a whole pile of things that you need to do, but it's 9 p.m. And really the priority has to be to eat and then sleep, because guess what? Tomorrow, you're going to be gone the merry-go-round all over again. Um, and for for that sort of thing, I find like forcing myself to take five to ten minutes to go through and do the minimum viable habit. Um, mm-hmm. And minimum viable habit is, you know, every day, ideally, I'll go around and I'll, I'll pick up all the things that are out of place and put them back in their places and, you know, fold the blankets on the sofa and things like that that have, you know, been used and things like that and put them away. Well, the minimum viable version of that is, hey, make sure all the glasses made it to the kitchen, ideally into the dishwasher, so that you can just hit run on the dishwasher in the morning after having breakfast. And then that's done. And the laundry is actually in the laundry basket. It didn't suddenly magically end up on the floor because that's where you took your you took your jumper off next to your office chair while you were podcasting. And then it ended up on the floor because it fell off the back of the chair and, you know, and it, it needed washing or whatever it is. You know, going through and finding your minimum viable maintenance levels for a lot of things. Um, and I, I think this, for me especially, um, I found is very useful to do at work. What is my minimum viable email? Well, my minimum viable email is actually checking email twice a day for a couple of minutes. It's deleting a huge chunk of email because a lot of the email mm-hmm. I get is automated. And I've actually, to an extent, increased it because it allows me to stay on top of things without having to go out to other systems, which is useful because guess what? Changing system, opening new system takes time. It's easier to be in one system and have the information come to me than to have to go look for the information um, to stay on top of those things. But my minimum viable email is checking email twice a day for about five minutes um, and replying to the maybe one or two emails that actually need my response. Now, obviously, your mileage is going to vary depending on who you are, what job you're doing, how critical email is to um, your workflow and your company's workflow. But finding those things that really it would be much better if you didn't completely drop and you just minimized and then staying on top of those. And for the things that you are dropping, giving people a heads up, because you know what is going to make that all consuming project a whole lot worse. Having to deal with somebody who didn't know that you weren't going to be doing the thing and is now derailing your day away from the thing that obviously needs your attention because it's all consuming. You know, it, it needs your attention either because it's very important to you or because it's a project you've been given, right? That's why it's consuming um, everything. Um, so it, it's, it's worth, you know, trying to figure out what the minimum viable thing is and who is impacted by this. Um, and do they need to know about it? Um, or not, um, as the case may be, maybe, you know, you've got customers who are going to be impacted by you being consumed by this thing, but they don't need to know about that because you're going to hand that off to somebody else. Well, in that case, you don't tell your customers, you tell the person you're handing it to, but, you know, finding out what the minimum viable is and then, and then, you know, communicating that I think is really important communicating it to yourself above all. Totally. That, that's excellent. I, I've, I've been doing a lot of work with scheduling things lately and, and really being aware of how the time in my day is going to be planned. And I, I love what you said about making sure that you've got room in there for, and I love the phrase minimum viable habit. I'm going to start getting into that. Um, I, I think 
that uh, it's it's worth knowing when you're thinking about that. What are the things that I am not great at? Like, what are the things that are at risk when I'm being consumed? So for me, um, that's lunch. I am really bad at lunch. It is not a thing that I am good at because I will just sit here and keep working forever uh, until I realize that I am very hungry and very sad. Um, and then it's and then it's too late because I've missed lunch. Uh, and so I've gotten in the habit now of of like when I review my 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 plan for my day in the morning, I ask myself, okay, when am I having lunch? Not just when, but what am I having? Because that creates a uh-huh. next level of 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 commitment for me about having lunch. So I think that that knowing your weak points and planning to those and, and scheduling for those and, and those sorts of boundaries is really great. I think the other element that I've been playing with is, but where could I be elastic? about this a little bit more. So if I'm in the flow or if I'm in a groove with my all consuming thing, if I am either making good progress and I don't want to put my pencil down or I am just enjoying it so much that I'm not ready to stop. Okay. Minimum viable habit. Cool. But here I'm going to let myself be a little bit elastic about this time so that if the timer goes off and I am done with this, cool. I have, I have met my amount of time that I have committed to doing my all-consuming work, but now I have to go take care of my minimum viable habit. Or, no, I decided I could be elastic, so my timer's gone off, but I'm going to go on to the next one and, and just keep, keep working for now because I gave myself permission ahead of time to be elastic and be more embedded in this moment. Um, I think that that can be a very powerful tool as well. Yes. I really like um, your idea there. Um, Actually, there's two things that I want to pick up on. The first one, though, is pre-making your decision about lunch. Like pre-making decisions when you are being like chased by all of the things or a particular project is a really Mm -hmm. good idea. Remove Mm -hmm. the decision making and the mental load from later you and put it on previous you. Later you is still allowed to change their mind, to be clear. If you plan to have salad for lunch and now you're absolutely freezing and it's chucking it down with rain and you decide that you don't want salad for lunch and you're going to get a a burger instead or whatever, go for it. That's fine. But by pre-making the decision, you're also saving yourself time. Okay, because suddenly in that particular instance, you deciding what you're having for lunch also resolves the, and how do I cook it? How long is it going to take to prepare this? Um, You know, where do I go to get it? Um, How long is it going to take me to go to get the thing and then come back and do the thing and and then eat it? You already have all of those answers. Um, And so by preloading your decision making into an earlier part of the day, obviously your brain is not yet running around, hopefully so much with all of the other things, like all Mm -hmm. of the other things that need to be um, decided upon and resolved and the threads that have been picked up and not yet closed off and so on. But you've also just given yourself a little bit of time when hopefully your brain's a bit more awake earlier in the day to just solve that. Um, And it's really a lot easier to solve the problem of what am I going to have for lunch, especially if you work from home, when you're having breakfast in the morning in your kitchen and then you just quickly get up and you open the fridge and you see, cool, right, okay, I'm having a bacon sandwich for lunch because that's what there is. That's, that's, That's that problem solved. And at that same point, you can also then Make a knock-on decision of, do I need to go buy groceries later? Because if I do, I'm going to set an alarm for that. Which leads me into the second uh, thing that you said there, Scotty. Elastic versus non-elastic. What can or can't I be uh, flexible about? Timers and alarms. Being able to snooze an alarm can be a really good trick. Like If you need to move on from thing to thing to thing, 
having an alarm that goes off um, to, to help prompt you to move on can be really useful. I personally, as a side note, use shortcuts on iOS to help set this up as part of my day. Um, but uh, turning on and off the snooze feature. So you can't snooze this alarm. It's not elastic. You need to stop now and move on to the next mm -hmm. thing. Versus, uh-huh, this one is elastic. There's a snooze option. Like that, that's something that I, it turns out I'm already doing, but I'm really going to explore a little bit more and play with because I feel like that that's a very useful trick um, to, to be able to just stay aware of things. Because the other problem that I encounter is I put my head down to get on with something. And, you know, especially when you're, you're busy with a really big project and it's, it's consuming your thoughts. Um, yeah, yes, this topic <laughs> idea came from me. Surprise, surprise. Um, it's mm. like, I get wrapped up in it and everything kind of just disappears. And then before I know it, it's like, oh, I missed the meeting or at the end of the day and I need to go podcast or I need to go buy dinner or whatever it is that I need to do. And I've kind of missed the other things that I needed to do during the day. And so by having alarms set on my device, I then have a way to make myself aware of things. And I also r regularly use timers as a way to engage with things um, or to not and disengage with things um, because I will set myself up with um, sort of a Pomodoro style thing of I am going to spend, um, especially if it's a, a big project, I tend to do the larger chunks um, of like 45 minutes or 50 minutes on something and then and then the breaks. Um, but depending on what it is, I may find that shorter ones are useful. But by having those timers, timers having a different sound critically for me to the actual alarm, then it's, it's more of a hey, like you're supposed to be taking a break now, but I'm not going to interrupt you and force you to do that. Whereas an alarm is stop and do yeah. whatever the next thing is. Like you like you plan to be moving on to this thing right now. Like you need to be doing that or have a, like a good reason for not moving on to the other thing, uh, the other side of it, you know, like pre preparing for a meeting or something like that that's still happening. Um, so yeah, so that that's something that uh, I thought of when you were talking about elastic and non-elastic alarms and being able or not able to snooze. Yeah, that, that's a that's a really good point. That like that's a really great implementation of of, of this. I, and as you were talking, I thought about how th this other great metaphor that I've heard um, that I think is really applicable here. And I'm not a big sports fan, but I've I've watched Ted Lasso, so maybe that counts. I don't know. But when you're on the field playing the game, that is not the time to invent strategy. That is not the time to invent the plays. That is the time to run the strategy execute the plays. Yeah, yeah, you have to change things up based on the nature of what's going on in the game, for sure. But that's not the time for developing the strategy and the plan. The time for that is when you're, you know, practicing or with your coach or in the dressing room beforehand working on the whiteboard. And I think yeah. it's important to take that kind of uh, mental model and apply it to our work because mm -hmm. I, I think a lot of a lot of us just run out on the field and hope hope for the best. I know yeah. a lot of stuff. I'm just going to go out there and hit the ball. Well, that's just it, right? And the other thing is, continuing with the sports metaphor, there's a half time, right? England won the women's uh, football. Oh, UEFA Cup. yes. Um, so build in those times where that's when you can stop and figure out a new strategy. Okay. And you can move those times as a side note if you need to. But if you're re-strategizing, like you need to be actively aware that you're re-strategizing. Like you can't just mm -hmm. do it on the fly as you're trying to kick a goal into the goal, a ball into the goal, whatever it is, sports metaphors. I'm sure. running out of sports stuff here, but like, you know, you can't, you can't be doing it like while you're doing that, but you can have a break 
to figure that out and pull people in or not, as the case may be. But like half time, don't forget about half time. That is a great point. And, and another point that I want to pick up on that I that I was thinking a lot about when we were talking about all-consuming problems and all-consuming projects is as productivity people, we are familiar with the getting things done methodology, probably. Um, if not, gettingthingsdone.com, link in show notes. Um, there is the weekly review process, but it is very oriented around the work to be done or the commitments that are made or 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 the the things to happen it is not naturally constructed around and how do i feel about this mm-hmm. and so i think it's really important to build that in and spend time with the emotional reactions that we might be having to this work this life yeah how do i feel about that how what do i feel good about what do I not feel good about? What am I missing? What is keeping me up at night? And that all of that is going to end up bridging into a very tactical implementation of, okay, well, here's what I'm going to do about it. But yeah. I, think, I think it's important to have that lens of how do I feel about it? Because w- when we talk about an all-consuming problem, consumption is a feeling much more than it is a, a, a pragmatic measure. So, if we're feeling consumed, then we should be thinking about our feelings in terms yeah. of measuring our, our progress against that. I don't think you can use widgets as a way of like understanding and measuring progress against emotional well-being. Likewise, mm-hmm. I don't think you can – well, I, I, countering that, I think you, you, you can sometimes use emotions as a way of gauging how you're progressing against widgets, but – but your feelings can mislead you there. So I think it's important to recognize which sort of scale um, progress should be measured on. And, and so I think making sure that we're we're building in, that I'm building in, I can't speak for you. I don't know you, um, but I like you. Um, I, 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 think, I, I think that for me, I need to build in that, uh, okay, like get clear, get current, get creative, cool. But like, how do I feel about what I am or am not clear about? How do I feel about what I am or am not current about? Uh, wh- what do I need to do about those feelings? That is a really important element here um, that I don't think can can go ignored because I, particularly in some professional settings, it is almost encouraged to somehow check your feelings at the door, which feels really not very self-aware to me. Um, yeah. I'm a bring your whole self work to work kind of guy. Um and so how I feel is going to affect everything that I do. And that's true for a lot of people, whether you check your feelings at the door, air quote, or not. Um, guess what? We're still human people driven by human persons. So um, so spending time with that introspection, I think, is really valuable, whether that's on a, like a daily cadence or a weekly cadence or month, like whatever works for you, I suppose. If you're feeling consumed, I think you need to do that about as often as you need to, to not feel, to not feel consumed. Because yeah. I, like, I, I suppose that if you get yourself, you know, to some level of, uh, of rightedness, then that feeling of consumption, regardless of how busy or focused you are, the feeling of consumption might start to fade away a little. 
Yeah. And I think that's the thing, you know, you might be thinking, okay, but how is uh, logging what my feelings are about the week and the project and stuff going to help me? Uh, Like, am I going to do anything with this? What should I do with it? Well, sometimes actually just doing the review is helpful. You don't actually have to commit Mm -hmm. to taking your feelings and doing something with them. It is just useful to have considered them and to not push this down. This is something that's very common in, in uh, particularly uh, males in Western society. They're told, you know, you don't have emotions, just get on with it type thing. Um, but I feel like a lot of people would benefit a little bit more from just going, okay, and how does this make me feel? And just going, okay, it didn't make me feel good. Or actually, I felt really good. Like, I know I didn't do everything perfectly, but I feel pretty good about everything overall. And just taking the time to allow yourself to have feelings and be aware of those can Mm -hmm. be very useful because by doing that, you're giving yourself a little bit of an outlet. By asking yourself, how do I feel? If the answer is tired, then you can give yourself a break instead of doing the other thing that you're going to do this evening. Maybe you'll just watch Star Trek reruns or whatever it is. Um, Or maybe if you're feeling overwhelmed by the things um, around, then actually the solution is writing a list. But you won't know unless you ask yourself how you're feeling and then just listen to it. Like you do not have to act upon it, but just asking and acknowledging that it's okay um, to have asked that question and to, to hear the response can be very useful, especially if you start hearing repeated messages from yourself. Um, You know, you don't have to log these. You'll be aware of it. Feel free to log it. Like there's, you know, just by all means, do whatever works for you. But it can be very useful to just ask yourself that feeling um, and ask yourself that feeling, uh, ask yourself that in different contexts as well. Like, how am I feeling? Mm. Like, if so, say, for example, this is a work project that is all consuming right now. Ask yourself when you are in a work context. And by a work context, I mean, like, when you're starting work for the day, finishing work for the day, having like having a lunch break, or you've just finished talking to a colleague or something like that. And then ask yourself again a couple of hours after you finish work and just see if they're Mm. the same or different. Um, And if, you know, and just see how you feel about that, because honestly, how you feel about how you feel is very important. Um, And it can be very interesting to get different responses to asking yourself the same question. Like, how do I feel things are going is a great question to ask yourself. And if you do that in a work context, you may be like, yep, everything's going great. I'm really, really happy with it. You ask yourself a couple of hours later when you're making dinner and you're like, not so good. I feel like I'm not managing to like keep on top of feeding myself healthy, balanced meals. Like, okay, those are two completely different answers. They are both 100% valid, but I asked myself the same question in a different context and it gave me a different answer, which allows me to see how this all-consuming project is affecting me in different ways. And I feel like that is a very useful thing to do. And I do this to myself. Um, I actually have my phone um, when uh, I unlock it at the start of the day. It picks some random times, which are not inside of calendar events. Um, the whole workflow for that is a little bit complicated and I should document it sometime. But it, it tries to pick some random times and then it pings me with those questions. Like, how are you feeling? Interesting. And stuff, stuff like that. Just because I get the same answer. I get different answers to the same question at different times. Sometimes I get the same answer all the time. It's all good, like whatever it is. But sometimes I just need to ask myself that to see how I'm feeling and then to see what's going on. I mean, the key is observation and awareness. I'm not saying everybody should go and cry under their desk every day. That's that's not what I mean. Hopefully you like your job more than that. (laughs) But I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't judge you if you do, but I mean, this is about observation. I think too, like as, as you say that, Rose, I realize like, 
I, there are also contexts where I'm going to lie to myself pretty easily. Like, how are things going? Great. Things are things are fine. Things are great. Cool. And then I'm lying awake at night, worried about how badly everything is going. Okay. Well, clearly I wasn't necessarily like fully honest with myself earlier when I asked because I was busy and I wasn't in the mind to do really observational reflection things. Uh So I, I, I really like what you said about context there, Rose, because, you know, I like evaluating how strategy is in the middle of the game is probably not a great move. Um, but evaluating how the game went when you're in strategy mode, that's really good. So, so check-ins, check-ins are great because those give you those various different data points, but it's also recognized, it's also valid to like, think about how, um, you're not going to be thinking the same way about a given thing when you're on the field, as opposed to, you know, when you're in the change room afterward. Right. I, I, I don't think, I don't think. I mean, sometimes um, asking I, again, I'm, I'm, yourself. I, I shouldn't say you because that's me. Yeah. Sometimes asking yourself right in that minute of like, how is this going? You can go with not well. Like you suddenly get this immediate gut <laughs> instinct of like, actually, great, Bob. we need to stop and do a halftime now. Like we need to stop right now and review our strategy and figure out what, what we can do because this is not going well. You know, some I'm sure everybody's had this. You've been in a meeting and it's gone completely and utterly off the rails. Like sometimes you just need to stop and say like, this is a great topic, but that's not why we're here. We need to book a meeting to talk about that, but we need to solve the problem that we came in here to solve because there is a deadline in three hours and we're going to do this now. Um, And, you know, but sometimes you need to, you know, you can get good things out of that. But yes, as you said, Scotty, sometimes you're you're busy and your response is just going to be, yep, fine. We're good. Keep going. It's like, that's okay. You're, you're good. Like, it, that's okay. That is entirely acceptable as a response. Um, just ask yourself a little bit later as well and see how you're doing. Um, so, yeah. I mean, that's one of the beauties of, um, I use specifically reminders to ask me these questions because the reminder then stays on my screen until I see it and I dismiss it. Um, so that means if it pops up in a moment where I'm just going, yep, fine, I just don't dismiss it. And I come back to it later. And that works for me. But figure out what works for you. And I think that's how you get at those secondary effects too. When you start doing those moments of observation, you start realizing, holy goodness, the way that I am thinking about this project or the frustration that I am feeling about this project right now, that's manifesting in the way I'm talking to my friends mm-hmm. or that's coming out in the way in which I am aggressively buttering this bread. I, I think um, I think it's, uh, for me, it's often the case that how I'm feeling about one big thing, whether that's like really, um, really gauging happy or really gauging not happy, start starts to seep into the other ways in which I live my life, and I don't recognize that in the moment, uh, and so those observational times help me realize, oh boy, I'd better solve this element of what I'm working on because that's impacting how I'm thinking about housework or I should really um, keep going with this thing and this project that's going really well because I'm really enjoying it. I'm having a lot of fun and it's making me relate to my children better. Yeah. So I think, I I think it's, it's key to have those sorts of uh, observations because it helps me key into those ways in which um, I'm reacting to something in other contexts and in, in other places, because I can only be the one me that I've got. 
and so when I'm all consumed with something in one way, well, all consuming does mean all consuming by definition. Uh, it's it's right there in the name. So um, being aware that you know being all consumed might affect other stuff, uh, and and watching and being aware of what those effects are um, really help me manage the totality of my life. Yeah, and I th- I think that's the thing, isn't it? Like all of this, you know, when you've got an all-consuming project, then you know that other things aren't happening. And it's just a case of you need yeah. to give yourself the ability to tread water in the other areas that are important and to just drop the things that aren't so important to you um, and just n- be aware. But you can't figure out everything at once. Like you're, you're never going to get everything done. Um, but you can absolutely figure out the things that are the most important to you that make you feel good or bad about whatever it is that is going on and get through the all-consuming project and come out the other side, find your towel again, um, grab some peanuts and start over. Um, Or chocolate, in my case, of course, it's chocolate. Um, But, you know, Mm. figuring out things that'll help you come out the other side and feel like you haven't dropped everything. Because the last thing that you want when you've gone through one of these all-consuming projects or problems or whatever it is, is to come out the other side and despite your major accomplishments, feel like failure because you're not. You have done Mm. many great and successful things and you should feel good about them. But it is very difficult when you know that you've also dropped the ball in some other places and you haven't been able to recognize that until much later. So, you know, give yourself um, a little bit of time during to reflect and it feels... Sometimes in these projects, it feels like you can't even take these five minutes, but you can. You definitely can. You can find those five minutes. Okay. It takes some people a lot longer to um, go to the bathroom and grab a glass of water than it will take for you to just spend five minutes just looking at things, giving things a quick review and going, okay, what is my minimum viable habit that I can do here? Can I hand this off to somebody else? I'm just going to tell this person that I'm not doing this thing. And then... That's it. And guess what? You've resolved a whole bunch of problems. You've avoided a whole bunch of areas uh, or issues that might come up. And hopefully your all-consuming problem is just an all-consuming project. And you just change that problem to a project. Oh, there it is. There it is. And and hopefully too, I mean, your mileage may vary, but I am I am certain that those five minutes well spent will pay themselves off over and over and over again. Absolutely. Like, they definitely will. It's one of those things where you're spending five minutes to save five hours, or it could be five days, or it could be five weeks, but spending those five minutes, like pulling people in for, uh, you know, a, a quick halftime huddle to ch- talk strategy sounds very management and corporate when I say that, but seriously, taking that little bit of time to go, hey, there's a problem. Something's not working here. We need to review how we're going to re-strategize or figure out how we're going to solve this problem without accidentally working ourselves into a corner for later is is always going to be beneficial spending a couple of times to go is it okay if i just reject this on the fly actually review that as you go because i feel like that's that's where i end up making mistakes where i have gone it's okay i'll just reject this on the fly it's not going to the plan i'll just do the other thing later is when i go oh that's why i should have reviewed this a little bit more in depth that's why Mm. there we go Mm -hmm. In the meantime, thank you for helping us nest some things into folders. I've got a whole folder Whoa, full of alarms, Scotty, that's now. good. Ah, oh, man. Cathartic. Oh, yes, it is. I, I always love this because it doesn't matter who comes up with the idea. If it's you, if it's me, if it's somebody who writes in, 
you know, we all go away, hopefully learning something from an episode and feeling good about it. And that's something that I think is just a great thing, you know. Anyway, uh, so you can listen to our back catalogue over at nestedfilterspodcast.com, where we've got links to all of the previous episodes and we've got links uh, from the show as well. So if you're looking for getting things done or not great, Bob, then you'll find those in our show notes. Um, <laughs> and uh, of course, there's plenty of other hidden tidbits in various back episodes as well. Um, and Scotty, you exist. You're a person. Where are you? Who are you? Uh, I'm right here, right here. Oh. And for those who may not know, here is HeyScottyJ.com on the internet or at HeyScottyJ on Twitter. Uh, Rosemary Orchard, you're there. Where is there for you? Uh, I mean, it, it's still in the UK most of the time. My accent wanders a bit. Right. But uh, other than that, RosemaryOrchard.com has links to all the things. And of course, uh, at Rosemary Orchard on Twitter, where I have to say, as a note, Scotty, I love um, how involved some of our listeners are and how much feedback we get from the episodes when people love it. So um, it is really oh God, nice to hear best. from people. Um, and of course, you can send us uh, feedback on Twitter or via email, inbox at nestedfotospodcast.com, or there's a contact form on our website. And if you are an unnested member, you can send us an AMA, which we can then turn into a featured bonus episode just for you. Wonderful. Well, thank you, Rose. We'll talk again in a couple of weeks. All right. Goodbye.